Hi, everyone. Back at you with another episode of ESEC Lending Insights, where we keep it unscripted, real, and interesting. Yes, we are definitely unscripted, Peter. But interesting, I think we should maybe let our listeners make that determination. What we are here to do, though, is to give you our latest thoughts and perspectives on what is going on in the securities lending industry, whether that be about demand trends or what is happening across the market. And now to our episode. Let's go. I think this is our last podcast for the year. Am I right? You are correct. Wow. And we're Here still- is to 2022. Here we come. Watch out. You labeled this the holiday podcast in our calendars. So that's well, kind of exciting. Can I tell you why I did that though? Yeah. I did that only because I was trying to differentiate it and make you guys think that there was something more interesting and exciting so that you would actually commit to the calendar invite, which you often don't. Well, if we had eggnog, it'd be better. I was actually this morning thinking of ways that we could properly acknowledge and celebrate the holidays and sort of make this a more holiday focused podcast. I had for a while a song to the tune of Jingle Bells, I guess, that I was thinking about how we could go through the year in a review in terms of special and or deal named securities and how they could be the the reindeers. Do we need to bring in the Chris Jane's birthday celebration video that you put together? No. No no singing. That was the Gilman family rocking out to Free Falling by Tom Petty, where Brooke basically created her own lyrics to Chris Jane's, his career at ESEC. So anyway, if anyone wants that, I'm sure you could find it on YouTube where Brooke would be happy to send it to you. (laughs) Anyway, so Jim, what are you looking for for presents at Christmas time? or whatever holiday you celebrate from the market? From the market, I would like a little engagement would be nice, Peter. Been very quiet the last couple of days, and it'll be quiet throughout the rest of the year in terms of new trades, new trade ideas. But I think I'll get my Christmas wish if I'm wishing for activity come next month. So the last time we spoke, you were predicting <laughs> an incredibly busy December. Does that mean that it was really only going to go through say the, I don't know, 16th, 17th of the month. Yeah. And that wasn't counting these last couple of weeks anyway, or did yeah. it actually slow down from when we last spoke? I guess maybe that's where I'm headed. No, I mean, you saw the cash market volatility. We still have it yeah. today. It's down 650 last I looked. So we're still getting that kind of activity, but it's more long selling and window dressing and just squaring up of positions. And so we're not seeing a whole lot of follow on trades to the activity that's happening now. There are a handful of M&A names announced today, mostly cash deals, so nothing for us to trade. But I mean, that's activity that you never see in the third week of December. So we'll so see. as we close in on 2021, Jim, give us, let's see, how about three highlights from the year? And how about two things that you think were most sort of impactful? Highlights for us. One, South Korea. We saw bids come back on South Korea, which I'm excited about. And I think it portends for a good 2022 in terms of risk-taking on the short side in South Korea, which has been absent the last couple of years. That's one. Two, collateral expansion. We have engagement from our client base on collateral expansion. It's not an overnight trade, so it takes a while to get that done. Um, But appreciate that many of the folks who we talk to and talk with about risk and programs and program parameters are open to and engaged in expanding collateral such that it's almost doesn't matter what the market currently prefers. They'll be there and ready to deal on the loan side. That's Can I ask a win. You one question about that, Jim, not to throw yeah. you off the game, but 
didn't we see an auction recently where cash bids versus equity bids for the same portfolio were pretty dramatically different? Yeah. And is that kind of scope of difference between cash and equities, is that likely to persist? If I'm recalling correctly, that differential is pretty surprising and enough to convince people, I would think, to evaluate the equity for equity trade. The difference is dramatic, but I wouldn't say surprising. I kind of expected that. I would say non-cash and in particular equities continues to be our base case of uh, preferred collateral. But like we saw in parts of 2020 and even parts of 2021, cash can be cheap and be the preferred borrow if the market changes in any way. And so I, I think, yes, as we auction in Q4 of 2021, certainly equities have dominated. If you took equities, you saw better participation and better performance. But I don't think that's going to be the story entirely for next year. It'll go up and down. It ebbs and flows. And so just depending on what's cheap, sometimes treasuries get cheap. They haven't been lately, but could foresee a scenario where the curve steepens quite a bit. Cash becomes more prominent if the market drops and equity collateral is tough to come by. You never know. So I, I just think you need to be prepared for all weather. And then when you're prepared, you're not reacting to a market and then missing opportunity and revenue you're more ready to react. I like that you need to be prepared for all weather. Plus, Peter, it's also important because not all lender types could accept equities, of course, but for those that can, that don't have any sort of regulatory constraints against them, it's absolutely a tool that you should want to have incorporated into your lending program, like Jim says, because you'll also see, not only do we see big differentials in bidding activity on the same assets, but you'll see certain counterparts that just won't participate at all if it's a cash-only collateral program. So you need it in terms of the optionality, but also just the diversity of participation and who's likely to want to trade with a particular lender. So it's pretty important for flexibility all around. And I like in the auction, the fact that we, on behalf of our clients, can ask the market questions to price different scenarios, right? And get real firm feedback. And that's, to me, one of the great aspects of the auction process itself. Okay. Well, let's get back to Jim, Peter. So he did number one and number two. Number one was South Korea. Number two was general movement towards collateral schedule flexibility by our lenders. Number three, and these are the highlights, correct? I think so. We were doing some sort of list. I would say, Brooke, number three, and maybe there's a theme here, is obviously thankful for in 2021, the M&A activity. And again, our clients' engagement in terms of looking at those opportunities, weighing them against investment management decisions and saying, kind of viewing us and our value add as a partnership. So as we sit here at year end, I guess I'm very thankful that we have clients who care about securities lending, which sounds odd, but our clients in general make the time and focus on securities lending and the opportunities it presents and see the value. And so for that, we're appreciative. Would you not say? Absolutely. I would say what we're thankful for. Okay. So that was maybe a list of top three highlights. I appreciate you may have gotten confused along the way, but I also (laughs) asked for two things that were sort of uniquely impactful. And I appreciate that those three things you just said could easily also fit into this category, but I guess I'm just asking for a longer list. What else? Uniquely impactful. Jim, what about the one-off discussions and structures with borrowers? kind of pairing off with their specific needs. I felt like this was a year where you engaged with Brooke and me on a variety of different structures that were proposed or collaborated on by yourself with specific borrowers. 
Yeah, I mean, I would hope to do more of that next year. And really, it's a function of the market changing from just cookie cutter, plain vanilla. I lend stock, I take cash, I reinvest that cash to more of a financing platform for all the PVs and for all the lenders. We look at this as securities financing. And so we have multiple conversations with the brokerage community about their unique needs and how we can help and fit into their financing, whether it's a year-end particular pain point around year-end, and we can either raise cash or do collateral swaps that help them get to where they need to be, or if it's throughout the year or various points in time around record dates or what have you, where they need to restructure how their book sits. We've done a number of onboarding efforts around new entities for existing counterparts who use those new entities as part of their solutioning towards balance sheet management and regulatory management. So I think we'll continue to do that. And it's something that myself and a handful of the senior folks in trading are very focused on in the coming year in terms of adding value to both ESEC and our clients. Do you think the balance sheet sensitivity of the dealer community next year is the same, bigger sensitivity, lower sensitivity? How do you figure it ever decreases at this point? I mean, doesn't it only continue? I mean, I guess I'm sort of answering slash asking Jim the same question. Yeah. I don't know is the answer, Peter. It's a good question and wish I knew, but it isn't one size fits all. There's no magic bullet that cures all balance sheet issues. And there's no magic bullet that cures every borrower's issues at the same time. They all use different bogeys, whether it's for cost of funding internally is one thing so that that will cause banks to behave one way or the other, depending on what that cost of funds looks like and weighing that versus self-funding or getting stuff off the balance sheet. So it's hard to say. I have no idea. We just stand at the ready to speak with them, come up with ideas, take their ideas and morph them into something that's palatable in terms of risk for our clients. And so, I don't know. Brooke, speaking of me getting confused, I guess here it is again, but wasn't the Reddit phenomenon in Feb, March? It was. So So that was the beginning of my song. Oh, what song? The song you didn't sing? GameStop and Reddit and... No, no, no. Okay. (laughs) Deal names, (laughs) Vivendi. Uh, so that's a uniquely impactful event was it's the gift that keeps on giving that has changed behavior for the hedge funds quite a bit, where crowded shorts, where they used to be a source of either quick money or definitive trade direction is, is no longer. And so they tend to shy away from those crowded trades. And so something will get, for the most part, with a handful of exceptions that I can think of, for the most part, borrows get very, very difficult and then ease quickly, whereas they used not to. So we hope that changes next year. No reason to think it would other than the market always has a short memory. I'm banking on that. All right. Well, what are we looking forward to most in 2022? The one thing I miss quite a bit is traveling for business. So I hope that comes back. I miss going to the different regions, sitting with folks, talking to them about what they're doing. It's just a, we get very different color when you're sitting with somebody for 45 minutes over a coffee or a lunch, as opposed to a phone call. In our cases, many times it's quirky hours just to meet up with somebody in Asia or Europe. And so I think, I don't know when we get back to that kind of more normal travel environment, but I certainly hope that it happens soon. Absolutely. I agree with that. And, and hopefully our conferences happen next year, like the IMN conference, right? That's supposed to happen in March, as well as our conference that's going to follow shortly thereafter. I know that we certainly saw the benefit of getting together, right? We all got together, client sales team, 
and others in the office in Boston, which was a first in a long time. I thought it was amazing how much we got through issues and worked on different strategies in a much more efficient way. So, you know, it's easy and it works, this whole Zoom environment, but there's definitely something missing. And when you get back together, it's very clear. At least that was my takeaway. All right, guys, well, maybe wrap it up and call it a podcasting year. <laughs> Is that a wrong thing to say? No, I like it. I mean, it's been, it's what been, does it, what does it mean? I guess it's been a whole year that we've been doing this, it's right? It's been I mean, over a year, Peter. When did we start? <laughs> it's Wait. been since uh, the spring of 2020. So that would be at least 18 months at this point. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. It we, takes COVID years and COVID months. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to keep track. It is, it's brutal. Yeah. I can't well, remember. I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed this year with both of you. Let's just say that. And I look forward to more interactions, more fun, and you know, some good sec lending discussion next year. Yeah, that's what we need. And hopefully volatility's up, the stock market goes up, and revenue for everyone involved continues to grow. All right, both. Well, enjoy the holidays and happy you new too, year bro. as well. Happy we will look forward to re-engaging in January and Hopefully we'll have lots of good news to report and we'll see Jim, whether some of your predictions, how those play out in the first couple of weeks of Jan. We know they never come true. We, we actually don't ever hold them accountable and go back and say, what oh, I do. I have like multiple times on these podcasts. I've Absolutely. gone back and told him what he said previously. These podcasts only present problems for me because now it's evidence that I'm wrong with it. Correct. Whereas before it was just on conference calls. Oh, well. All right, folks. Well, on, guys. Good to talk to you. We'll talk soon. Bye. See you, Brooke. See you, Peter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope we left you with something interesting and productive to utilize in your daily securities lending activities. And friends, don't forget to subscribe to ESEC Lending Insights wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our disclaimer, this material is for your private information and does not constitute legal tax or investment advice. There is no representation or warranty as to the current accuracy of nor liability for decisions based on such information. Thank you for listening.